This is the Daily Perspective Podcast for Wednesday, the 10th day of March 2021. Hi there, Mark Congleton here with you, your sometimes humble host for this daily dose of observation, insight, and absurdity. <laughs> and if you were uh, ho- hoping to catch us on Facebook Live, Facebook Live, uh, us, I should say, uh, me and the dog, then uh, I apologize for that. There was some sort of a bizarre little technical glitch that happened uh, right just in the moments before I went live. The power blinked off, and I got everything back up and running again, and then poof, I turned the mic on, no mic. I, I had no audio. Everything went sideways on me, so no live show today, but... We do have this, the podcast, and maybe a, a two minutes shorter than normal, but as far as normal goes, what is that anyway, right? What, what am I saying? It's, um, it's going to be an interesting day today. There's plenty to talk about, and hopefully the technical, the technical gremlins won't come back and, and, and sabotage everything. You know, they're in there chewing through wires all the time. You never know what's going to happen. Uh, yet, speaking of technical stuff, I mentioned yesterday that... Um, uh, I was expecting a delivery from uh, T-Mobile, the telephone company, the cell phone company, of a uh, of a new internet option, and uh, it arrived. It arrived yesterday morning, just uh, just right before lunchtime, and uh, so I took my uh, my the next couple of hours working on this and that, and getting everything back up to to where it should be, and 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 I'm very impressed. I got to I got to be honest with you. I'm very very impressed because the um, uh, the service I'm getting right now is uh, what's the best way I could it kind of varies it varies from um, twice the download speed I used to have to four times the download speed I used to have and as much as or more than 15 times the upload speed I used to have, which means that um, when I finish editing audio projects and the like, that uh, (laughs) when I upload them or transfer them to whatever file system they need to go to, that goes very quickly. And source materials I need for processing and for uh, production, that stuff downloads very quickly. Video uploads will happen much more quickly. Downloads will happen much more quickly. I'm very happy with it. I uh, uh, I had read that the T-Mobile router, the Wi-Fi uh, router that has built-in 5G connectivity, doesn't play well with uh, existing networking equipment. You know your your routers and the and the like, but. Uh, when I plugged it in and then rebooted my computers, they all came back up and were just as happy as they could be. So I'm getting uh, amazing speeds now that I was not getting before. Uh, in fact, uh, let me pull up something here. Uh, I mentioned the difference in the speed. I was getting before with uh, AT&T's internet service, I was getting like 19 to 20 megabits download speeds. And... Uh, now, <laughs> I just ran a fast.com speed test. I am getting 100. That's five times as fast as I used to get. 100 megabits per second. And that's during a time. Granted, it's just after 8 a.m. A lot of people are gone. They're not at home. Uh, the kiddos that are at home, I don't know if they started their schoolwork yet, but I've gotten as low as 40 and now as high as 100. 
and I'm watching uh, my upload speed calculate right now as we speak, and it's it's really coming along. It's uh, it's showing me 25 now. Yeah, 25 megabits upload, which is um, I was getting 1.9 before 1.9. So that's uh, that's better than 10 times as fast as I was getting before, and that's just absolutely remarkable. I'm very pleased with uh, the way this is working out and what this means on my end i already said it means faster transfer times for for big file packages and um, it also means that the connection i have if i want to do anything live like facebook live that crapped out on me this morning (laughs) was uh, and i figured that out i'll explain it in a second but uh that will go easier. I can do YouTube now without it complaining about a low, uh, a low signal quality. I, that's a whole much, a whole lot better thing. Now, here's the bottom line. It of course comes down to the bottom line. I I can pay for the T-Mobile service and for YouTube TV, and get everything with the exception of I think one channel that I was watching before that we had before that we liked. I can get all of that. I can get this for about half what we were paying for att's com- combination of services yeah it was it was in the ballpark of around 225 230 dollars a month for at&t for television and for internet and the internet was crap and so now youtube tv with all the channels including the local stations for 64.95 a month and then the uh, t-mobile service for 50 bucks a month and i i i'm saving i'm saving a lot of money a lot of money every month and a big chunk every year. So that's a good thing. Yeah, it's a big chunk as far as that's a lot of dog food. Okay. It's a, <laughs> but I'm happy with that. And I, I don't think there's any reason I shouldn't be happy with it. It's a, it's a, a fantastic option. Even, even though the, uh, the T-Mobile app that uh, you use to set everything up with says I have a poor connection quality, I'm still getting, I'm still getting five times, like right now, a hundred megabits download, 25 up. I'm getting amazing service I was not getting before. So I can't complain. I just can't complain. I can't at all because it's good stuff. Now, I do wonder why it is that, let's see, if I use fast.com, I get one speed. And if I use speed test, I get another speed, um, a different speed. For example, right now on speed test, I'm looking at about, well, it's, it's close, about 95. So it's in the same ballpark. So that's a good thing. All right. Well, anyway, they're they're slightly different. It may be, it may be where it chooses to uh, to connect. Wow. Hey, over on speed test, I'm getting over 35 upload speed. That's I like that. I'll take that one, please. Thank you. I'll take that for a hundred dollars, Alex. It's a uh, it's a a good move, a good move. And what happened at the top of the hour? I told you the the power went off. Everything went haywire. The only thing I didn't reboot was my uh, my mixer. The thing has got all the bells and whistles on it. I didn't, I didn't reboot that. And when I rebooted that, everything came back. So all is well, and that's a good thing. Good, good, good. All right. Uh, today, I'm, I'm going to get to some things I mentioned yesterday that uh, I, just, I just got long-winded and didn't allow myself time to talk about. Um, we'll see about some of it, but there's plenty to talk about. Uh, plenty, and I mean plenty. James Clyburn has basically opened his mouth and said out loud what he probably should have kept to himself about HR one. I I really do want to get to that today. Uh, Jen Jen Psaki, um, got a little short. 
just a touch short with a reporter asking a question. And that entire situation, if if Kaylee McEnany had done or said some of the things that have come out of the mouth or been done by Jen Psaki, it would have been all over the news. It would have been, there would have been this condemnation of everything about her, but they just kind of shrug their shoulders and say, Oh, well, when it comes to, to the Biden administration, um, the George Floyd act, which passed through the house, um, is an abomination. We'll touch on that here in just a few minutes and what it means to police officers if it's passed. And up first, a little bit of absurdity with regard to way, the way the press is being treated by the Biden administration and the way the press is treating the Biden administration. You see, when Donald Trump was in office, he could do nothing right. Nothing. He couldn't do anything that made the press happy. Nobody in his administration could even breathe and please the press. The fact that they were inhaling and exhaling was somehow problematic. But when it comes to the Biden administration, everything is great. Can you imagine the news cycle which would have followed Donald Trump had he had a dog in the White House? Ah, the first dog. They were so romantic about that. They were so pleased. Oh, pets are coming back to the White House. Can you imagine what would have happened had Donald Trump had a dog in the White House and it bit one of his security team? Can you imagine what would have happened? It would have been pandelirium. It would have been insane. It would have been nuts. That happens in the Biden White House. Ah, well, you know, he, you know, he, it's just dogs. That's what they're going to do. Something they don't recognize somebody. They're in an unfamiliar situation. He's just guarding his Joe. That's all he's doing. It would have been completely different had this been an occurrence of the Trump administration. But I digress. Coming from the New York Post, uh, a story by Emily Jacobs. Aides to President Biden hurried the traveling press corps away as they shouted questions at an unresponsive commander-in-chief in Washington yesterday, his 48th day in office without holding a solo press conference. The incident occurred toward the end of a visit by Biden to uh, W.S. Jenks and Son, that's a hardware store in D.C., that benefited from his temporary extension for smaller businesses of the Paycheck Protection Program. After quietly watching Biden interact with store owners and employees for about 10 minutes, reporters began shouting a series of questions at him to no avail. Immediately after, handlers for the 46th president began yelling back assertively, come on, press, you got to go, as the entire gaggle of reporters was quickly removed from the scene. Biden, who was standing about 15 to 20 feet away from the press pool, didn't flinch or answer a single one of the myriad shouted questions, including one on the burgeoning immigration crisis at the southern border. Tuesday not only marks the 48th day of Biden's presidency, it also marks the longest a commander-in-chief has gone in recent history without holding a solo press conference. Biden has gone longer than his 15 most recent predecessors, going back 100 years without taking questions from the press in the more official forum. All 15 prior presidents also held a solo press conference within 33 days of taking office. According to a CNN analysis of data from the American Presidency Project, President Trump held his first solo press conference 27 days in. 
Obama held his 20 days in. Biden, meanwhile, has neglected to hold one, a single one. Doesn't appear to be changing in the immediate future. Even though we had chatter that there might be something happening tomorrow, after that, after I brought that story to you yesterday, they said, yeah, it doesn't look like it's happening. It remains to be seen. Why not? For Joe Biden to speak in public to a group of reporters with cameras rolling could be disastrous to his presidency. That's why not. You're listening to the Daily Perspective Podcast. It's the Daily Perspective. It's a midweek edition of the program, a Wednesday edition. Wednesday, the 10th day of March, 2021. I have a big uh, hole in the middle of my day. I've got some things happening beginning right after lunch. It's going to keep me going for busy for about three, three and a half hours. Then I've got some uh, remote feed tests to do. Got a business meeting. Eh. I'm going to be kind of busy today. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Thank you very much. Oh, man. Even the most casual observer has got to see what's happening as far as uh, as the the uh, the Biden White House and the administration and what's going on, because it's just it's just ludicrous that they were like piranha when it came to the president, uh, President Trump. But they're all just a bunch of little, I don't know, French bulldogs. Now they're just sitting in somebody's lap and snort and slobber. And they, they, they don't seem to dig any deeper than, than the surface of things. And when anyone does, wow, when anyone does, they are, they are treated very harshly. It's just ridiculous. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. In fact, why don't I move things around here? We'll do that one next. And move the other one back yeah jen psaki speaking of dealing with the press is doing a really poor job now they're not questioning her and they're not unhappy most of the time because they're happy with the outcome of the election they hated donald trump they just hated donald trump because he was not a a progressive whack job and they wanted a a progressive whack job in the white house well now they've got one so they're happy now, but they hated him. Well, White House Press Secretary, coming from Daily Wire News, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki wilted under pressure during yesterday's press conference as reporters repeatedly pressed the administration for answers about President Joe Biden's border crisis. By the way, if you've just been watching the evening news, you don't know what's happening on the border, really, because they're not telling you all of the details because they knew that the president who was protecting our border in this country is no longer in office. People, as soon as the election was decided, people started flooding this direction. And so now, rather than hundreds of people a day coming across the border, we have thousands of people a day. All of those uh, detention facilities where they were talking about children in cages, they're overflowing and they're having to, they're having to set up more and move those kids into 
other places. They're still there, but nobody is saying anything about kids in cages to the Biden administration. Nobody except conservatives saying, excuse me, but uh, have you looked over here? It's not happening. Well, one of the most notable exchanges yesterday came when a reporter asked Pisaki if newly reported on statistics about the border crisis were accurate. She responded by claiming that the reporter should ask the Department of Homeland Security about those numbers because, quote, it's not our program, end quote. The Department of Homeland Security is run by the Biden administration, and Biden's nominee to, the, to lead the department, Alejandro Mayorkas, was confirmed by the U.S. Senate, and he now runs the department. Pisaki claimed, I, I would encourage you to go back to them and ask them again. We're not going to confirm them from the White House. It's not our program. It's the Department of Homeland Security. Oh, really? Is that how it is? It's The, the exchange was remarkable. Why won't you confirm that number? That's a very important number. Uh, I, 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 we've been very clear uh, that there is an increase, that there are more children coming across the border than we have facilities for at this point in time. Uh, those numbers are tracked by the Department of Homeland Security, so I'm certainly I'm just suggesting that you talk to them about specifics. Well, we them, Jen, they won't confirm the numbers. Well, uh, I, I would encourage you to go back to them and ask them again. We're not going to confirm them from the White House. It's not our program. It's the Department of Homeland Security. The department, is the White House encouraging the Department to release those numbers? And in the spirit of transparency that the Secretary promised here at this point? We, we certainly encourage transparency, but what I also think is important is to talk about what the root causes are here and what we're doing from a policy standpoint to try to address the challenges uh, that we're facing and that these kids are facing as they come across the border. Wow. This is what's called a dodge. She just dodge, dodges and weaves, and she's using her official speak, her, 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 her political speech to sidestep the issue. Somebody's actually genuinely trying to get to the bottom of the, of the situation, and she's saying, well, you should go back to them and ask them again, because that's not our deal. That's their department. The last time I checked, the president, well, if it were under the Trump administration, the president would be solely responsible. Everything would be his fault. Everything, every problem would be because of Trump. But not now. During another exchange, Jen Psaki was pressed about whether the administration would admit that there was a crisis going on on the southern border. <laughs> Is this a crisis at the border? Look, I don't think we need to sit here and put new labels on what we have already conveyed is challenging. Really? What we have conveyed is a top priority for the president. What our policy teams are working on every single day. They Obviously, there was a trip to the border uh, this weekend. They are working uh, over the course of every day uh, since then on putting in place policies that can help address what we're seeing and, and help ensure that we are uh, keeping these kids safe and moving them as quickly as possible from uh, border patrol facilities to uh, to shelters where they can have access to educational resources, health resources, mental health resources, legal aid, etc. In case you missed it, she didn't answer the question. She was pressed about whether the administration would admit there was a crisis. And then she went into that answer. I don't think we need to sit here and put new labels on what we've already conveyed is challenging. And then she she misdirected. She pivoted. Well, several minutes later, another reporter pressed Pisaki again on the border crisis, asking, why has this administration been so reluctant to call it a crisis? Go ahead. 
Thanks, Jen. A couple questions. Um, to follow up on the border, why has this administration been so reluctant to call it a crisis with a huge uptick in the number of migrants being detained, including thousands of children? If that doesn't qualify mm -hmm. as a crisis, what does? Well, because we think that it's most important to explain the substantive policy of what's happening, uh, what the root causes are of why these kids are coming, and why what we're doing to try to solve what is a very challenging circumstance. And, okay, <laughs> the substantive policy, you want to explain that? Well, the policy is that they want these people to come, and they know it. They're being encouraged to come. Because the policy, the Biden administration's policy on the border is so lax that they're encouraged to come here because they know they're going to get in. They won't even be they won't even be screened for COVID-19 and then they'll be set free with a court date where they have to come back, which they won't attend. The root cause of why these kids are coming is the, the policy. The root cause of why and, and, and they're coming here and what they're doing to solve it, <laughs> they're not doing anything to solve it. In fact, Border Patrol agents now are saying, we had things more or less under control under Trump, but this is nuts. So our border is being crossed by illegals in throngs because these people know the weakness of the Biden administration. They know they can get aid here these people are going to get $1,400 checks by the time it's all over these people will be on government assistance they're not even supposed to be in the country but they will be supported by your money your dollars taken from you by law by the point of a gun by the IRS these people will be supported by the money you went out and earned to help support and feed your family, but was taken by the government from you by taxation. These people will be fed, they will be clothed, they will be sheltered by your tax dollars. And they know that, which is why they're coming here. They're coming here because, and we all understand this, nobody denies it, Life in many cases for, where, for them where they are is rough. So they're moving off. They're moving out. They're, they're moving on up to the east side to a deluxe apartment somewhere paid for by your tax dollars. And that, my friend, should, should really tick you off. It ticks me off. That the money I worked so hard for, for all those years, was taxed. And that money is gone to pay for things I would never approve of. I would never put my money into the things it's been put into. But our government would. And the same thing is happening to your money. Remember, there is no government money. Without your money, they have nothing to spend. You're listening to the Daily Perspective Podcast.
It's the Daily Perspective Podcast. After a bit of a stumble at the start, of course, the only reason you'll have any idea that happened is because I, I talked about it like an idiot. But hey, there we go. I've been texting with my buddy Dave during the breaks, explaining what an idiot I am. I checked everything. I mean, I checked everything in the studio except for the stinking microphone. I didn't know the phantom power circuit had winked out on me. Anyway, that's okay. It's all working now. <laughs> it's a Wednesday edition of the podcast. Kind of a meh, somewhat busy day for me a little bit later on. I hope you and yours are doing well. I hope that uh, life is treating you well, and I hope that... Uh, I hope that uh, you are rising above all of the insanity that's happening around us. I mean, and there is, trust me, there's quite a bit of insanity happening around us. All of the hyperbole, all of the the rhetoric that we heard during the last year or so as the election season was cranking up to a fever pitch towards the end, all of the 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 rioting, the burning, the looting, the the response to the death of a black man in custody of a police officer, George Floyd is who I'm talking about. All of that, it just seemed like we, you would look at this and shake your head and think they're going crazy over something and they, and they don't even really know what happened yet. And have you noticed that we still don't really have a final official word on what happened now we've seen the coroner's reports in case you missed that they determined that uh well the actual the state coroner the government authority said he essentially was a train wreck waiting to happen all it took was a little to push him over the edge and and as a result he's i mean he his body was in bad shape because of his drug habit and what happened was that he was being held prisoner by these officers, and that was all it took. And they recognized, if you do some research and you do some reading, you'll, you'll, you'll find all of this research there. This material is out there for you to find. Well, it, it was. <laughs> it may not be now, given the way things are. But at one point, you could actually find the references to the behavior of people who are on a cocktail of drugs, what they do, the things that they, the danger they present not only to the public, but police officers, and how police officers are trained to handle those people. And George Floyd exhibited all of the classic symptoms of being on a cocktail of drugs, and he was about to break. And they recognized this. And when that happens, those people, they don't feel pain. They, uh, they don't listen to instructions. They... They have been known to harm bystanders. They have been known to not respond to, well, things like tasers and, and, and any number of ways to, to subdue them because of the influence of drugs on their systems. Certain parts of their systems shut down and other parts of their systems crank up and they become dangerous. And these police officers trained in this sort of thing recognize that in George Floyd and sustained and, 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 and held him the way they were trained to. Now, people were saying that they were kneeling on his neck. People were saying they're cutting off his wind. If you've seen the videos and the pictures, you know that they weren't cutting off air. They were saying, I can't, he was saying, I can't breathe. Well, he couldn't breathe because he was having a heart attack. And 
well, if you if you're honest with yourself, that's what that's a key thing I keep coming back to on the podcast is honesty. If you're honest, you realize this guy was dying from a drug overdose. And the police officers saw him and knew that he was going to be a danger to himself and to others, and they they corralled him and held on to him the way they were trained to do so. And what's happened since then is that activists have jumped on this and used it as an anti-police tool. And this was the, the whole origin of the outcry to, to defund the police, if you'll recall. And some places did defund the police, and others, and some of those, I should say, have quietly, without calling any attention to themselves, actually refunded the police because crime went crazy as a result of them defunding. Well, from over at the com, when Representative Sheila Jackson Lee, the, the dope from Texas, claimed during the March 3rd debate in the House of Representatives on H.R. 1280, the George Floyd Justice in Policing Act, when she claimed that there is no defunding of the police in the measure, Representative Jim Jordan, the Republican from Ohio, responded with a barrage of data saying the gentle lady just said there is no defunding of the police but i would just point out in democratic controlled cities around the country austin texas 150 million baltimore maryland 22 million boston 12 million columbus 23 million eureka california 1.2 million hartford 2 million madison wisconsin 2 million minneapolis 8 million new york 1 billion Norman, Oklahoma, 865,000. Oklahoma City, 1.5 million. Philadelphia, 33 million. Portland, Oregon, 3 million. San Francisco, 120 million. Seattle, 69 million. Washington, D.C., 15 million. That's what Democrats have done over the last year. The exchange between the Texas Democrat and Ohio Republican was indicative of one of the most heated debates to date in the 117th Congress. Representative Karen Bass, a Democrat from California, one of two principal co-sponsors of the measure this year, and when an identical version of it was approved by the Democrat House in 2020, said during last week's debate that, quote, a profession where you have the power to kill should be a profession that requires highly trained officers who are accountable. That is what this bill accomplishes. And that in itself is a lie, the entire lie, in the nutshell, right there. You have the power to kill. By the way, every citizen has the legal right and the power to kill under certain circumstances. You do, under certain circumstances. When it comes to defending yourself, if you believe you are in mortal danger, you do have, you do have the authority and power under law to end someone's life. If that person is a mortal is, is presenting mortal danger to you or others around you. So it's not just police officers. It's not just a profession. The highly trained part, they are highly trained. These guys go through training. You have no idea what they learn. These scenarios they're put through. You have no idea why they end up firing on certain people so quickly. Because they are trained to recognize danger signs, situations, and to respond quickly. 
and they are accountable. They are accountable. Just because they're not instantly accountable, that's what makes the leftists angry. A cop responds quickly to a mortal mortal decision, a a decision that results in a mortality uh, call, and they have their weapon drawn, they've been warning someone, and that person makes a move which indicates to them that they are about to be in mortal danger. They pull the trigger and stop that person, and the very first thing that happens is people gather around and scream, he was defenseless, he was unarmed, you shot an unarmed innocent man, and then that's what gets on the news, and the next thing you know, everybody's ready to string up a police officer. But a few weeks later, we find out, no, that guy actually had a gun in his back pocket, he was reaching for it, he had a knife in his hand that he had hidden, and suddenly the officer saw a flash of steel, things like that. People make instant snap decisions on the scene, and they're always wrong because they're not trained. But the police officers are highly trained, and they are accountable. They're put on leave. They are taken off duty. They're taken out of the scenario, out of the public eye, until investigations are concluded and conclusions are made. We don't need another bill. But the leftists want one. The current proposal required a mere 10 days to go from its introduction on February 21st by Bass and House Judiciary Committee Chairman Gerald Nadler, (laughs) the Weeble from New York, to passage in the lower chamber on March 3rd. 10 days. According to the sponsors, the measure would, uh, would, if it becomes law, mean that for the first time ever, federal law would, one, ban chokeholds, two, end racial and religious profiling, three, eliminate qualified immunity for law enforcement, four, establish national standard for the operation of police departments, five, mandate data collection on police encounters, and six, reprogram existing funds when it uh, to, to invest in transformative community-based policing programs, psychobabble programs, and seven, stream a federal law to prosecute excessive force and establish independent prosecutors for police investigations. You notice they don't deal with police unions here. Police unions are one of the biggest problem. Police unions which protect bad cops, because there are bad cops. There are not a lot of them, but there are some. And they're protected by unions, and they have long careers of abusing people just because the unions protect them. They're not, as I said, they are not many of them, but they're there. And the rest of the cops don't like them. If you know, body, if you know people in blue, sit down and ask them about bad cops. And they don't like talking about it but they know them. They've seen them. They'll tell you we get rid of them as quick as we can, but it's hard because the unions protect them. Do it. Let's go back through that list. Banning chokeholds. Did you know that there are no chokeholds? No, there are no chokeholds. There are restraints which clamp down on the sides of the neck, but not the front. Those that clamp down on the sides of the neck are to decrease blood flow to the brain causing a blackout. It's quick, it's painless, it's actually safe because that person just blinks out and then you've got the the chance to put handcuffs on the person and restrain them. Chokeholds in police work actually don't exist. They're labeled as such in order to give people a bad impression of them. But there are no chokeholds. Two, and racial and religious profiling. That's been done decades ago. It doesn't happen. But they must keep saying it does in order to keep people angry. 
Eliminate qualified immunity for law enforcement. Qualified immunity for law enforcement. As I've, as I've said already, some do take advantage of that. But there has to be some level of immunity for law enforcement in order for them to be able to enforce the law effectively. Otherwise, every time some individual gets ticked off about the behavior of a, a law enforcement officer, he'll have to look for another job. And there's more. Maybe we'll dig into the rest of it. Maybe not. But this bill is poison to the police and should be defeated. You're listening to the Daily Perspective Podcast. That's awesome. It's the Daily Perspective Podcast. Slipping into the final segment for this uh, Wednesday, the 10th day of March, 2021. (laughs) I'm sorry. Oh, my gosh. That's good stuff. Okay, my buddy Jeff. Jeff Tyson. (laughs) I posted a a meme on Facebook. Side-by-side picture. On the left, John Lennon and Yoko Ono. On the right, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. On the left, I broke up the Beatles. On the right, hold my beer. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. (laughs) Oh, thanks, Jeff. You made me laugh. It is uh, (laughs) a midweek edition of the podcast. Still a couple more days to go before we hit the weekend. But if you stand up on your toes, tippy toes way up high, you can see the weekend from here. So give that a shot. Go outside and look for it. Well, the Democrat from South Carolina, Representative James Clyburn, many credit him with helping President Biden win in South Carolina, is saying the quiet part out loud about the For the People Act, H.R. 1. It's also been emotionally tied to the late Representative John Lewis. H.R. 1 would gut nearly every election security measure used across our nation. It mandates things like ballot harvesting, prohibits measures such as voter ID at the federal level. It essentially takes all power away from the state legislatures to define election law, despite the fact that it is a power given them specifically in the Constitution. So, The leftists in the Democrat Party once again prove the Constitution is an inconvenience for them, and when necessary, they just ignore it. This is an unconstitutional law, and the Democrats are happy with it. After winning the presidency, Senate, and maintaining a slim majority in the House, Democrats don't seem confident. They're relentlessly pursuing censorship even threatening cable and streaming providers who carry the handful of outlets that do not take their preferred narratives in their opinion shows. Fencing with razor wire surrounds the nation's capital, along with National Guard troops, for threats that have never materialized. Democrats are also levying personal attacks against every Republican who questioned the election results and accusing Republicans generally of harboring a white supremacist view. The attacks persist despite the fact that several Democrats did the same thing in 2016. Speaking of the white supremacist view, if I could pronounce it, 
It's the old tactic of calling somebody a horrible name in order to distract. Well, you're a racist. And it, when, when someone is labeled as a racist, everything, every rationality goes out the window. It becomes emotional at that point. And so the Democrats are labeling everybody who agrees with the Republicans as white supremacists, racists. They're calling half the country racists just because that's, that is the emotional flashpoint that gets everybody they want to distract distracted so they can just lie to them about anything because they're emotionally involved now instead of intellectually involved. Holy cow. Razor wire around the nation's capital and National Guard troops for threats that have never materialized. I would add yet to that. Not because I think rational, decent Americans are going to storm the the government, storm the Capitol building or the White House, but because I think they want people to believe that. It's just like the white supremacist charge. They want people to believe that people on the right are violent. They have guns. They're dangerous to America. That's what they want us to believe. And considering that they're about to push legislature, and I mean push hard, which will infringe on your Second Amendment rights. They want to leave that fencing up there to say, we need to protect ourselves from these crazy people in America who have guns. That's why that fencing is still there. In a recent review with The Guardian, James Clyburn, the Democrat from South Carolina, gives us some insight into the behavior we're seeing. H.R. 1 will not pass the Senate with a 60-vote threshold. There is a there is unanimous Republican opposition. Two Democrat senators also have stated they will not vote to end the filibuster, which would reduce the vote threshold from 60 to a simple majority. This change would allow Democrats to pass legislation with straight party line majorities in both houses. Clyburn told the world why there's a tremendous pressure to change the minds of a couple of senators. Cinema from Arizona and Manchin from West Virginia. Clyburn says, there's no way under the sun that, the, that in 2021 we're going to allow the filibuster to be used to deny voting rights. That just ain't going to happen. That would be catastrophic. If Manchin and Cinema enjoy being in the majority, they'd better figure out a way to get around the filibuster when it comes to voting and civil rights. Now, please notice that Clyburn is calling this a civil rights issue. It's not a civil rights issue. It's a legal voting issue. It's not civil rights. They have to paint it as a civil rights issue in order to accuse anyone who objects of being a racist. You see the tie-in? If you disagree, you're a racist and you oppose the civil rights of minorities. This is how they're framing this. They've been trying to frame it that way for a while, but now... It's going to be high profile, and they're going to accuse anyone who disagrees with this. Unconstitutional. Embracing of illegal procedures in order to guarantee the Democrats never lose another election. They are going to label objection to this egregious transgression of our Constitution as racism. Because... That gets, that gets people emotionally involved. Oh, racism's a bad thing. 
these people are white supremacists. They all have sheets in their closets with eye holes cut in them. They're evil people. If you disagree with giving everybody equal access to voting, then you're evil. Well, I've got a news flash for you. Everybody already has equal access to voting. Everyone already has. The ease and the ability to vote should they so choose. No state has passed any legislation which even a marginally intelligent person can understand and comply with. This is all a smokescreen wrapped in racism in order to give the Democrats the power to win elections henceforth and deny Republicans the ability to win elections. This is all this is. It's what happened in those six battleground states, and they want to make it effective nationwide, even though it is unconstitutional. It's illegal. This is what they want. And Clyburn's suggesting that there be a workaround on the filibuster, as there is for the budget. Congress just passed a $1.9 trillion stimulus through reconciliation. That just, that just takes a simple majority vote. Clyburn's suggesting a similar carve-out for civil rights and voting rights legislation. Trust me, this is not civil rights or voting rights legislation. This is vote manipulation legislation. And the change would allow the, the Equality Act and H.R. 1 to move through the Senate with simple majority votes. They're both radical pieces of legislation. Democrats want these passed with no consensus. They don't want people to actually have a bipartisan look and to work at, at these things together to pass anything. They don't care about bipartisanship. Please understand that. Remember when Barack Obama said elections have consequences? He was saying, we won, you lost, sit down, shut up, we're running things now. There is no bipartisanship in Washington, D.C., there really isn't. The Democrats want total power and control. That's all they care about. Republicans say, can't we all just get along? And then the, Rep the Democrats stab them in the back again and again and again. The Democrats know their hold on power is shaky. They know it is. They know they lost a lot of seats in the House. They know the American public saw through them while Trump was in office. Because why? Because he actually did succeed to a degree in draining the swamp, lowering the level of the confusion and the swampy dark waters so that we could all see what these people are really made of. And we didn't like what we saw. And so when we came to the polls in November of last year, we voted overwhelmingly to get these sleazy people out. And yet, they still won somehow, didn't they? Hmm. Scratch his head, looks quizzical. They still won. And now they want to pass legislation which will enshrine their illegal voting schemes nationwide. So that no matter what you and I do, no matter how hard we work, they're going to win. That's what this is all about. They wrap it in civil rights and voter rights re uh, legislation terminology, but it's not. It's not. 
Don't be deceived, my friend. Don't follow the emotional lines that they're trying to drag you down with. Don't do it. Use your reason. Use your rationale. Use your brains, not your emotions. And realize these people are manipulating people. It's all they're about. Because they know that if they can get them emotionally manipulated, they can always win. And that'll do for today. God bless you. Have a great one. We'll see you back here tomorrow for the next edition of the Daily Perspective Podcast. Bye-bye. Oh, we're, uh, we're done.